0: Haley, Celtic music from across the globe and across town I'm Dave Baghdad and I'm so glad you could join us on tonight's show we'll continue our Celtic colors preview and have interviews with Wendy McIsaac and Don Beaton thanks for being here This program was made possible by support from the Celtic Colors International Festival, from Nine Irish Brothers in Indianapolis, and the Scotty Grant Irish Music Club, as well as donations from the friends of The Kitchen Party, Kaylee. Cade Mela Falcha, you're very welcome here for this 114th edition of The Kitchen Party, Kaylee. I'm your host, Dave Baghdad, and we have a great show for you. Some things you may know, and a lot you probably don't. Our programming this week is sponsored by the Celtic Colors International Festival, the Scotty Grant Irish Music Club, and Nine Irish Brothers at the corner of Mass Ave and East Street in Indianapolis. We're continuing to preview the upcoming Celtic Colors International Festival, as we always do this time of year. The festival will take place between October 9th and 17th at various locations on Cape Breton Island, and we'll have lots of great music to get you in the mood. This week's episode could be called A Tale of Two Fiddlers, as we're going to be speaking with Don Beaton and Wendy McIsaac. I'm excited for you to hear this program, so let's get it going. We'll start this week with a remarkable piece of tape I found of a Celtic Colors performance from five years ago, featuring Dawn Beaton, along with her sister Margie, with whom she often performs. This is a long medley featuring the Beaton sisters on fiddles, backed by Patrick Gillis on guitar and Jason Roach on piano. And it was recorded at Festival Club, about which I'll tell you more in a while. There are almost too many tunes in this medley to tell you about. First there are several jigs, an unnamed one, Malcolm's New Fiddle and Buddy's Order of Canada, into a Strathspey, Bog on Lochan into three reels, Tarbolton Lodge, Hull's Reel, and Fermoy Lasses. So here we go with the Beaton sisters, Dawn and Margie, on the kitchen party, Cayley. and Margie Beaton on fiddles there with a long medley which included several jigs, an unnamed one, Malcolm's New Fiddle, and Buddy's Order of Canada, into a Strathspey, Bog Unlockin' into three reels, Tarbolton Lodge, Hull's Reel, and Fermoy Lasses. This incredible medley was recorded at Celtic Colors Festival Club in twenty ten. If you're new to our Celtic Colors coverage, Festival Club is the after hours performance venue which takes place every night at the Gaelic College in St. Anne's. Beginning at 11 o'clock or so, after the evening's concerts are over, many of the performers will make their way to Festival Club, where they will appear on stage, sometimes in impromptu once-in-a-lifetime configurations. There's no schedule, so you never know who you'll see playing with whom, but it will always be incredible. If you really want to get to grips with this, just do a YouTube search for Celtic Colors with a U, Festival Club, and you'll find several dozen videos from which to choose, including the track we just heard featuring Don and Margie. As I mentioned, Dawn is also the Artistic Director of the Celtic Colors Festival, and I spoke with her recently about some new and special things happening at this year's event. Let's give that a listen right now on The Kitchen Party, Kaylee. Well, we're starting to get closer to Celtic Colors, and I'm sure you've got quite a bit going on in your end to get things ready.
1: We're in detail heaven and just finalizing all the last little things that make a festival go around. But we're getting very, very close now, which is great. It's exciting.
0: One of the things that I always find the most exciting is the prospect of seeing new groups that I've not had the chance to experience before. Who are some of the new acts this year that you think fans will have the most reason to get excited for?
1: Well, I think and hope that we accommodate a lot of different tastes and hit a number of genres still within our, our Celtic umbrella. So I'm really pleased that given our partnership with Cape Breton University to put on the North Atlantic Fiddle Convention, or NAFCO, that we can explore some of the kind of exotic to us places that we haven't maybe featured in the past, one of which would be Isle of Man. We have a great group coming from there called MECLIR, so M-E-C-L-I-R, and I got to meet these boys when my sister and I were performing down in Australia at a festival that they were at as well. So wonderful, wonderful musicians, great guys, and they're going to put on a great show when they come. So they're a first-time band to the festival. We haven't had Calvin Ballrat before. Calvin is an Métis-style fiddler from uh, Western Canada, and he's won many Grandmaster Championships. i certainly worked with a number of key Breton artists, in his lifetime. So we're excited to have him and his band with us. Also new to us in terms of the collaboration that would be String Sisters. String Sisters is a ten piece band that represents I think five or six countries of wonderful musicians, six of which the lead fiddlers represent Ireland and Scotland and the States, Norway and Sweden. So Uh, They're going to just put on a barn burner of a show. They're the opening. And then, of course, while we're on the opening, that also includes Miss Lorena McKennett, which we're super excited to have. It's the first time visit for her to the festival. And, of course, on the other end for the closing show, we have Ricky Skaggs, which we're super excited about. He's been kind of hinting at his desire to be up here in Key Breton and see what it's all about. And we were very excited to make that happen this
0: year. And, of course, in addition to all the new acts, you have some returning favorites that I personally am very excited about such as We Banjo 3.
1: Yeah, we are too. They were a first time artist visitor last year and it just seemed only customary to have them back. If people were here at the festival last year, they might have caught them either at concert or at the festival club. And hopefully you saw them at festival club. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of the week and I've never seen the club so electric in my life. They just had complete command of that audience and put on a fabulous show. So, Great to have them back. We're having Fred Morrison and Patty Keenan back, the wonderful pipers representing Scotland and Ireland, respectively. And they're reuniting and coming back to the festival. It's been a little while since we've had them. Gosh, and of course, Ashley McKay is cool to be here. It's not right to not have Ashley in the festival. We have wonderful local musicians that will be returning. So it's going to be a great year.
0: One of my own personal not-miss events is, of course, the Guitar Summit.
1: Right, so this one comes very close to the original summit that would have been pre-festival in 1995, which featured J.P., Dave, and Scott as well. We also are very fortunate to have Stuart Cameron, so people aren't quite familiar, that would be John Allen Cameron's son, Stuart. And he's just a joy to work with and a great guitarist, so he'll be a part of that show too. So it promises to be a great night and a good mixture of generations there and
0: genres as well. So for those of our listeners who are sort of new to the program and to Celtic Colors, one of the things that usually works out the most interesting is the Artist-in-Residence program. Tell us a little bit about that and who specifically will be doing that this year.
1: So this is something that Joella Falls and Max McDonald would have started way back in 2001, and it works with one local artist and one visiting artist to come together and help play in some of the festival. So we work with, if we do a specific year uh, that's reminiscent of a theme or a particular country of note, we ensure that someone from that background is representative in the artist-in-residence choice. And they help to either give us a sense of who should be considered for the festival when it comes to a certain genre, they help with programming that way, or they may look after a complete show that is something they've wanted to do for their entire life, and this is a way to bring these artists that are coming all this distance to come together, meet, and, and play some wonderful music. This year, we're proud to announce that Liz Doherty from Ireland and Lucy McNeil of the band McNeil thing here from Cape Breton are, are two artists in residence, and they are great friends. They've stood in each other's weddings, and they've certainly hosted or co-hosted lots of house parties in their day, especially at the McNeil household. So. Liz is coming over, and they're just going to have a great time. I think there's a lot of reasons to celebrate.
0: So I don't know how much you actually get to attend shows being as busy as you are during the festival, but is there one in particular that you're looking forward to seeing?
1: Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I think I'm wanting to be at all of them, and that's always the heartache that I'm sure some of our festival goers experience as well, is making that decision as to what to go to each night. For myself personally, I will be involved with five shows, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I happen to be in a group that is also new to the festival this year, recently formed called Filinta, which is a Gaelic word that kind of looks at being tuneful and rhythmical. of what it means and it's an eight-piece dance group that will perform a square set or an aspect of the square set in the show in the community that it's representing so there's a number of regional square sets all across the island of Cape Breton and they're fully kind of being amalgamated and lost and they're beautiful square sets to perform so we'll do one a night for five nights and do some other dance numbers as well. So I'll be certainly taking those in, of course. And yeah, I think it's a perfect marriage given the focus on fiddle this year with the NAFCO convention. That, that dance also be uh, featured prominently.
0: Well, I can certainly relate to the problem of trying to be at all shows at once. There's at least one night where I'm just tearing my hair out to try and make a decision.
1: <laughs> it is tough. And if, if nothing else, if you if you really want to see an international or local performer, there's a good chance that they're in another show another night, but if all else fails, you are probably in luck to make her to St. Anne and the Gala College and catch someone at the Festival Club. It's actually a good catch-all there, but I hear you. I
0: hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I would be remiss in failing to mention that even with your busy schedule last year, you were kind enough to join us and talk a little bit about your own personal musical life and your duo with your sister. How have things been going for you musically on your own behalf?
2: been great
1: we're still full steam ahead and we've actually had i think a busier summer this year than the last little while which is great actually myself personally i was over to germany teaching fiddle over there for a week at the end of july yeah it's been great actually it's been nice to do some performing we've got a gig this saturday and then next wednesday and then the the festival so it's a wonderful challenge to balance both daytime work and evening work Musical and, and so I think I'm going that, in that boat and I think for are I don't think it's okay.
0: <laughs> so, Dawn, for people who are interested in making the trek and getting tickets for performances, how best can they do that?
1: So, we have a wonderful complement of staff down in our box office and they can give a call if they're here in Cape Breton or there's a toll free number to call as well. And they'll help you make some suggestions on where to stay based on the shows and the daytime activities that you'd like to take in. And I well mentioned too, that tickets are going super, super fast. We have a number of shows sold out, but, you know, if there's certain shows that you want to see and if your listeners want to, to view, by all means, call and see and get the status of the show you want to see just in case. Um, we do have some sold-out shows, but there's lots of great options still. So they can call one eight 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 three five five seven seven four four 355 7744 and talk to our, our great staff. And there's lots of daytime activities to take in. And like I say, the Festival Club will be rolling right along. So there's lots of options if that one
2: show is sold out.
0: And of course there's the website, which is Celtic hyphen C O L O U R S dot com for our American listeners. One of the features on the website is the very handy itinerary builder
1: overhaul of our website this year when we launched in june there's a handy dandy feature that you can just go through all the shows and community cultural events and click it off and and email yourself the itinerary and then go ahead and book around that and call the box office for those tickets so yeah it's a great tool and i hope it helps people plan out their nine days
0: well dawn we know how busy you are and thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to come be here with us today Well,
1: it's always a joy to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing you here on good old Cape
0: Breton. My conversation there with Dawn Beaton, Artistic Director for the Celtic Colors International Festival, about some of the great things happening at Celtic Colors this fall. Let's hear some more music now, shall we? Dawn and Margie have only released one album to date, called A Taste of Gaelic, and from that, we'll enjoy a set of jigs, Including My Wife is a Wanton Wee Thing, Joe's Favorite, and Bresse Sound. So let's enjoy some jigs from Dawn and Margie Beaton on The Kitchen Party, Kaylee. and Margie Beaton from Mabu, Cape Breton there, with a set of jigs from their only album to date, A Taste of Gaelic. We heard My Wife is a Wanton We Thing, Joe's Favorite, and Bresse Sound. Their album was released in 2009, and the following year, it won for Best Traditional Roots Recording at the East Coast Music Awards. During my chat with Dawn, she mentioned that We Banjo 3 would be returning to Celtic Colors this year, so let's have a tune from them now. They've got a new live album out, and from that, let's check out a medley of Poor Old Liza Jane and Dance Boatman Dance, featuring Enda Skahel and Martin Howley on banjos, David Howley on guitar, and Fergal Skahel on fiddle, along with some guest horn players, because why not? We'll follow that with a song from Mary Jane Lammond and Wendy McIsaac. But first, let's enjoy some American polkas from Wee Banjo 3 on The Kitchen Party, Kaylee.
3: Noir, Rundoru, a mindu, Riyu, Saon, a mula, a pawnage, a mugra, a rekian, get nach to go, gandawab, to your swan, grae idix suas octo vis nacht getan die jefater wort havi So You can to a You
0: two tracks there from performers soon to appear at the Celtic Colors International Festival. First up was We Banjo 3. From their new record, Live in Galway, we heard a pair of American tunes done as Irish polkas, Poor Old Liza Jane, and Dance Boatman Dance. We followed that with a Gaelic song from Shine, the 2013 album from singer Mary Jane Lammond and fiddler Wendy McIsaac, an album which won an East Coast Music Award, or ECMA, in 2014. Wendy's album, Off the Floor, was awarded an EC CMA earlier this year for Best Traditional Roots Recording, and Wendy will be performing with Mary Jane at a Celtic Colors show that I will actually MC. I had the chance to speak with Wendy last week, so let's give that a listen right now on the Kitchen Party Kaylee. First of all, congratulations on winning an ECMA for Best Traditional Recording and congratulations in advance on your nomination for a similar award from Nova Scotia Music Week. Thank you quite an exciting time you've got going on.
4: It is exciting and last week I was also nominated for a Canadian Folk Music Award for the same album so lots of buys, it's really great.
0: You haven't issued that many recordings and then in the last couple of years you put out the album with Mary Jane Lammond which was an award winner and then of course the wonderful record that you put out last year.
4: Yeah, it wasn't that I wasn't working on recordings at all, but I had started this last solo project when I was pregnant with my first son, Angus, in the spring of 2005, and I had recorded five tracks, and then I just kind of left them, and I was meant to get back to them, but in the meantime, I had recorded stuff with Mary Jane I had recorded on all of her albums. There was always something going on. I was managing viola at the time and touring a lot with them, so, you know, it was not that I was not finding the time. I was not finding the time, I guess is what it was. I was super busy. So anyway, it was just kind of great. Last year I decided I had always wanted to record an album at a live dance because I always found that I play better in a live setting, you know, depending on the sound, of course, but for the most part I play better in a live setting than in a studio. So luckily I was able to get the who I wanted together, and I had the same piano player, guitar player, Patrick Gillis and Tracy Dares McNeil, and we finished the album in the night, and I thought it turned out pretty well, actually. You, know, you never know with a live setting how things might turn out, but like, I listened to a little snippet of it that night after we finished recording, and immediately it just sounded very lively, which is what I was going for.
0: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that as being the process, as when you look at the album and listen to it and read the notes, it seems like you've concentrated on putting together sets that would work as dance figures, and I assume that was entirely intentional on your part. It was. I have
4: to say, for the most part, when I play for dances, and this kind of applies to most of us fiddle players or pipers, we try to pick tunes that have that sort of more of a drive to it you know there's definitely certain jigs and certain reels that people love to hear and they give a little hoop or a holler or something when they hear them and they just have this sort of strong downbeat that the people love to dance to So I definitely was kind of careful. And the other thing is, is I've recorded so many tunes already that (laughs) sometimes it's hard to kind of pick and choose. There's tunes on there that I've recorded that have been recorded a lot, you know what I mean? Like the King's Reel and tunes like that. And I've never recorded any of those sort of really popular tunes
0: before, but I thought for the live dance it might be a good time to pull those out. And of course, you yourself are a dancer, and we've seen you dance during the course of Biolac shows even.
4: One of my favorite numbers to do is when I get up with Mac Morin and Maddie Rankin to do a little dance numbers that we have. We do the cappella so that everybody can hear the kind of strong rhythm of the Cape Breton style dancing.
0: You started out as a dancer, too, didn't you? So talk a little bit about yeah. what that tradition means to you personally.
4: Well, it means a lot, actually. I do find that the dancing has so much to do with my playing. I started dancing when I was four. I went to classes when my mom would be teaching. Her and uh, Natalie McMaster's mother actually would go around to some of the community halls and teach step dancing. So I kind of would tag along. And so it's just one of those things, right? You just kind of pick it up. And after that, I went to every Beaton to learn some more steps. And when I started playing the fiddle, I kind of just got thrown right into the fire. I think I'd only been playing about a year and a half. so I started when I was 12. About a year and a half later, I had started playing for dances. And so the thing was back then that there was... a lot of the people I played with, like Ashley and Stephanie Wills and Natalie and Jackie Dunn, we all play piano and fiddle so we could switch it up, you know what I mean? So it was a little bit easier for us as young people who would just started playing to play for a full dance because, you know, we could we could trade off. So that made it easier. But so at that point, we really started to learn the importance of timing, not playing too slow, not playing too fast, and just hearing the sound of the feet kind of gave you the sense of that rhythm. And being a dancer, you have that as well anyways, but you just hear it and playing for those dances really helped with distinguishing that style you know what I mean and really having that drive So the dancing is super important to me and in fact I really think that that's something that needs to be kind of introduced again to a lot of the kids there's a lot of kids at home in Cape Breton that are definitely into it and learning it and going to the dances but I I feel like it would be a great thing to have in schools you know like even once a month for them to be doing stuff dance classes. even if kids don't ever use it at least they know how to do it
0: Well, it seems like that was always something that, in prior generations, was just automatically ingrained at home and through the family. It
2: was, yeah. It
0: seems like everybody could dance a little bit, and most people could play a fiddle. Everybody had one in the house, at least. Yeah,
4: there was a lot of fiddles, for sure, in the house. You're definitely right. Like, my parents' generation and the generations before that, I would say 80% of them, from these communities, you know, in certain parts of Cape Breton, definitely on the west side of the island... They knew how to step dance, and if you went to a dance back in the 60s or early 70s, almost everybody would be doing at least the basic real step. They just knew how to do it. It was just something that they knew how to do, and that's what I would love to see again, you know?
0: Well, you mentioned, too, the group of people that you were playing with when you just started and through your high school years, people like Ashley and Natalie and Jackie Dunn. Looking at it now, that just seems like an almost impossibly incredible dream lineup of musicians. Did you have any sense at the time that what you folks were doing was on the special side?
4: I don't think so, because it was still a tiny bit of hesitation of it being cool (laughs) you know as a teenager right and we didn't really care about that because we all went to fairly small schools and we knew almost everybody that went to the school you went your entire life with the same people so we didn't have too much of a worry there but still you know we were just doing this thing it was a bunch of us that started at this around the same time we would get together and play tunes and do concerts and it never really felt to us like it was anything special, I guess, because it's such a community thing and everybody was just there to enjoy the concert and they made you feel like they enjoyed it, but not that you were some sort of upcoming star or anything like that. Looking back now, of course, I see how certain people like Natalie and Ashley and even like I guess, and lots of others have certainly been able to reach audiences pretty far and wide and even as well for teaching because we get asked to travel all over the world to teach this style.
0: You mentioned that the dance is not as much of an all-encompassing tradition among the younger folk today as it was certainly when you were a child, but it seems like the musicianship part of it, as far as the young people, is really quite strong. It seems like there's an extraordinary crop of young fiddlers now.
4: There is, yeah, there definitely is. It seems like maybe it may have taken a little... Swoop downwards for a few years there, but I think at the moment it's sitting in a good place. And there's also a lot of young people interested in the Gaelic language, which is amazing as well. So, because of that, we may have some more Gaelic singers. And we're actually this Saturday starting this mentorship program, which is going to be based on the east and the west side of the island. And we're going to have kids from the age of about 10 to 18. And we're going to be teaching them once a month. And they're going to be learning either pipes, piano, guitar or fiddle. But also in that day, they're going to learn some step dancing and some Gaelic. So it's going to be one Saturday of every month, and it's a six-hour session. And so I'm the fiddle teacher for the West Side, and Howie McDonald is the fiddle teacher for the West Side. And so Howie and I are going to be teaching a lot of the same tunes, so that when these kids get together, they can play a lot of the same tunes and sit together in a session or whatever it might be, or at a concert even, and all get up together and they'll know a lot of the same tunes. And we're trying to not only teach tunes, we're trying to really get these kids who are already players to move up another step or two, whether it be their timing or just their repertoire or just little things, you know, their bowing, just little things that we can nitpick at. So it's really kind of an exciting program. It's going to be from September until June. So I think it's going to be great for a lot of these kids.
0: Well, you've got your solo album that came out hot on the heels of your band record with Mary Jane. Mm -hmm. And of course, you have your, in my opinion, two infrequent performances with Biolac. Talk a little bit, if you would, about how you perceive the differences of being in a situation where you're calling the shots as opposed to working more collaboratively.
4: You know, I enjoy all of it. I really do. I enjoy my work with Mary Jane because I've always been a very big fan of her singing and the songs that she picks. She really puts a lot of work into picking songs that mean a lot to her. I enjoy that I found that with the record that her and I did together, Shane, I was able to step outside of the box a little bit with our arrangement. I guess I'd never really been hands-on that much with producing and editing an album with singing, so I very much enjoyed that. And then for the solo thing, every solo album I've done has been purely traditional, and someday I'd like to do something that's, you know, outside of the box from that, and maybe my next one will be that, but for doing something like the live recording at the dance, it was just a no-brainer. It's just, that's what I do, and that's kind of who I am, so I definitely enjoy that a lot. With Biolik, that's something that I think Biolik might have been my favorite gig, for sure. Like, we've had... Some very special moments on stage. And being a tune player, it is amazing to be able to sit with other melody players. In fact, in like everybody can play the tune. So when we get together, I, I always found that we were able to come up with some really great arrangements, you know. And in fact, we were working together last week because we're doing some shows in Ontario at the end of the month. I don't know what's ever going to happen with people, if it'll ever, you know, be a thing again or not, but we definitely would like to do some touring again at some point when the dust settles with people's lives, you know what I mean? I have young kids, and I still tour with Mary Jane, but sometimes when you're touring with certain bands, you really need to just, like, kind of get on the road and head down. So it it has to be the right time.
0: Well, speaking as somebody who is such a big fan of your playing... I have to say that I approached the album that you did with Mary Jane with a little bit of trepidation, just because I was concerned about to what extent it would be a Mary Jane album with you sort of in the background. But I was very Uh pleasantly surprised to see how much emphasis there was on the instrumental arrangements and the fact that you actually had as much space as you did on it
4: that was kind of what we were trying to go for from the get-go you know what I mean so Mary Jane had always toured with that full band which I'm sure you've seen us touring with her before and then she kind of decided to start doing smaller versions you know what I mean so sometimes we would tour with her and I and a guitar player and it just seemed to make sense for me to start doing more so we said well why don't we just do this together instead of it being the Mary Jane lammon show so that seemed to work out good and immediately we started working on arrangements and yeah Mary Jane was great she gave me a lot of leeway when arranging and producing that album. And she produced it as well, but I don't know. I like that part of it. I really do.
0: And we're coming up now to Celtic Colors, and Mm -hmm. you and Mary Jane will be playing. And you've had the experience, maybe unlike some of your Cape Breton contemporaries, that you've toured all over Canada, you've toured all over the States, you've been all over Europe. With that perspective, what does coming home to play Celtic Colors mean to you?
4: Well... For one thing, it's amazing because the festival is just so good. You know, it's grown into this festival that I hear a lot of my peers from away say how much they enjoy it and how much they think it's well done. And when you hear that, these musicians tour to festivals all year long. And to hear them say, we were well taken care of, it's a great thing, whether that means the technicians were good, their drivers, their accommodations, whatever it is. There's always a good vibe at Celtic Colors, that's for sure. So we're kind of proud of that, you know what I mean? To have this festival that's a world-class, top-notch Celtic festival. And then the other thing is just always great to be home and see our folks at home and perform for them, and, you know, they're in the audience enjoying it. So it's always great, and we always look forward to it very, very much.
0: One of the things that I hear a lot when I talk to some of the younger local performers is how much they enjoy the collaborative opportunities that present themselves during Celtic Colors. How much Mm -hmm. of that is a factor for you?
4: It definitely is. I mean, a lot of times you get to a show and you don't have a lot of time. We try to put sort of this last set together to play at the end of the night at each concert, but... Sometimes there isn't a lot of time for that, but sometimes the concerts are set up so that you are doing collaborations for the actual concert, so I know there's been some amazing music that has come from that, and probably my best experience from that has been with the Unusual Suspects show that we did for Celtic Colors, because that was definitely one of the top five shows I've ever done in my life.
0: So once Celtic Colors is over and the dust settles, what's on your radar screen afterward? I'm actually...
4: I have a few trips. I'm heading up to St. Marie with Mary Jane. I'm heading down to Boston for a couple of trips, I think. And then I'm going to be teaching out west at the Celtic Arts Winter School, which I did just this past February. And I'm going out again. And I met this gal by the name of Katie McNally who's a great fellow player from Boston, and so she has actually asked me to produce her, I think it's her second album, it might be her third, which we're going to do in January, so I'm really looking forward to that. I love the whole process of producing and editing in the studio, so I guess I've been really sort of chilled about that because it's been my own recording, so being able to do it for someone else now, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but I'm totally looking forward to the challenge.
0: Well, Wendy, we are certainly excited about seeing you at Celtic Colors, and you yeah. so much for taking the time to be with us today. That's no problem. I'm happy to be here. That was my chat with Wendy McIsaac, the wonderful Cape Breton fiddler, about her career and her upcoming performances at Celtic Colors. Our programming tonight is made possible by support from 9 Irish Brothers, 575 Massachusetts Avenue at the corner of Mass Ave and East Street in Indianapolis. In addition to fine food and drink, they have live music, Irish only, every weekend, including Whiskey Bellies, on Saturday, September 26th. And don't forget the next Sunday Kitchen Party, which will be October 11th from 2 to 5 p.m. Bring your Celtic instrument and join in, or just hang out and have a meal or a pint. If you'd like more information, the website is nineirishbrothers.com, and the Facebook page is NIB Indy. And obviously, we've been celebrating the upcoming arrival of Celtic Colors, which we'll be talking about still for another couple of weeks. If you'd like more information about this amazing festival, the website is celtic-colours.com. During my chat with Wendy McIsaac, we talked about her most recent album, Off the Floor, which was recorded live, and let's hear a track from that record. We'll have a set in the key of B minor, beginning with a march, John McCall's Farewell to the Scottish Horse, and then three reels, The Musical Priest, Father John Angus Rankin, and The Guns of the Magnificent Seven. Kind of an Irish Cape Breton set. She's backed here by Tracy Dares McNeil on piano and Patrick Gillis on guitar. So here we go with Wendy McIsaac on The Kitchen Party, (laughs) Kaylee. You are listening to The Kitchen Party, Kaylee. That was Wendy McIsaac on Fiddle with a medley of John McCall's Farewell to the Scottish Horse, the Musical Priest, Father John Angus Rankin, and the Guns of the Magnificent Seven from her most recent album, Off the Floor. We're getting near the end of our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together, and I look forward to having you join us again next week. I want to thank our sponsors, the Celtic Colors International Festival, Nine Irish Brothers in Indianapolis, and the Scotty Grant Irish Music Club. Reach us by email at kitchenpartykaley. that's all one word, and Kaylee is C-E-I-L-I-D-H, at gmail.com, by Twitter at at kpc underscore radio, or through our Facebook page. You can find podcasts and playlists from all of our shows at iTunes. For our final track this week, we'll end with Biolak on a tune called Memories of Father Charlie McDonald. Until next time, I am your host, Dave Baghdad, and I thank you for listening. We'll see you here again on Friday at 8 p.m., right after the Hog-Eye Navi show. Slan Ogat. You've been listening to the Kitchen Party Kaylee on WITT ninety one point nine FM, Indianapolis Community Radio. This program was made possible by support from the Celtic Colors International Festival, from Nine Irish Brothers, and the Scotty Grant Irish Music Club, as well as donations from the Friends of the Kitchen Party Kaylee. We hope that you'll join us again next Friday at eight p.m. The Kitchen Party Kaylee is written, produced, and hosted by Dave Baghdad, and was recorded at EMAS Studios in Broad Ripple. The Kitchen Party Kaylee is a Fortnight production. Thanks for listening.